Welcome everybody to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett. And on today's episode, we are blessed to have Mr. Sean Callagy from Unblinded, um, a gentleman whose story really hit me in the feels. I have to say, he has, a, he has a great story, great insights about not only business, but he's also someone who's known as the uh, the blind warrior adventurer, who's going out there, take, really just taking life by its horns um, and growing and improving himself every single day, all whilst being told that he is legally blind as well. So. If you're someone who's had fears, frustrations, problems, issues through your life, you need to listen to this episode because it really puts everything into consideration and really puts everything into the view of, hey, you know, we actually, if you've got two seeing eyes and you're watching this episode, you really can't complain. And I really want to share that with you. He's worked with the likes of Tony Robbins, been on stage with him. We talk about the future of experiential marketing as well. And of course, if we can ever help you with your marketing, if you want some tools, templates, strategies, head over to marketingmogul.com.au. We've got you covered. But until then, let's jump into the show. Sean, thank you so much for making the time to join us today. Really appreciate you making the time. Uh, Kim, really appreciate being here and looking forward to it. Thanks everybody for listening. It's great to have you here. Now, I always like to start our podcast off with the same question every time, which is, if I met you at, uh, out at a party or something like that, and we crossed paths and I said, Sean, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer? My simple answer would be, this may sound a little odd, Kim. I'm in the business of co-creating simple, fun, and magical micro-distinctions and frictionlessness that free exponential abundance in people's money, time, and magic, meaning small input, large output, money, time, and magic, and a formula. I love that. Tell us a little bit more about that because that's pretty intriguing when you say that like that. It, it definitely tickles people's fancies, I can imagine. Yeah. So 23 years ago, I had my dream job in law school knowing I was going blind. I had been a Division One college baseball athlete in the US, hoping to go on and play professionally and it was on track to do that. But I have a hereditary de- degenerative eye disease that started to affect me. And so that ended law school because I really didn't know what else I wanted to do. And I was there I got my quote unquote dream job, which really wasn't because I didn't see anybody there that I thought had a life that I wanted to lead. And so from there, I simply started to research and step into the world of personal development and realized that with no contacts, no money, $100,000 in debt, that I wanted to run an experiment about whether or not I could build my own law firm, which for those that are you know unclear, you know the legal business is a business like any other. And couldn't believe the results. And I built a 40-person law firm in two years. I've never heard of somebody doing that before or since, especially with no contacts and no resources. And that wasn't about me. It was about realizing what was possible for people. And my desire after selling my first law firm four years later became to teach others to do the same. So that's what I do. I do a 125-person law firm today. I built the second one. But I also own a company named Unblinded, which teaches people about the superpower of influence and what we can do with it to create the money, time, and magic that we want. I love that. That's amazing. I want to circle back to, to the beginning of that story where you mentioned you you got into personal development. I'm always curious as to what people's first foray is because there's so many. I always, you know, there's kind of like the founding fathers of personal development. But what was it for you? What was the the first interaction with the personal development world? Yeah. So, so I bifurcate that into three parts. First, when I was 11, I had a buddy in my class that was doing like push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, and jogging were 11. 
And that to me was my first view into personal development. It was somebody who was actually doing things differently than the rest of us and creating accelerated results. So I was like, number one, number two, when I was 16, I had the good fortune of somebody coming in doing imagery and visualization courses that we paid, I paid $10 for. And I just did what this fine gentleman told me and the results were incredible in athletics. And then when I was 27 and what you're you know, referring to Kim in the more traditional world of personal development, when I was going to quit my job at this law firm, I wasn't sure what to do next. At six months out of law school, a gentleman that I loved and cared about very much, great mentor of mine, my chiropractor, said, hey, read this book. It's called Awaken the Giant Within by this guy, Tony Robbins. So for me, it started with Tony Robbins that led to Jay Abraham, that led to a book called, actually didn't lead to, but a separate book called How to Make a Fortune from Public Speaking. I bought for a dollar to garage sale, read Jerry Spence, and that of course led into Napoleon Hill, Dale Carney, Yad Mandino, and some other fine folks like that. But Tony Robbins was the core foundational component for me. I love that. It was very similar to myself. My dad handed me a bunch of CDs that he bought from, I don't know where. And that was the, the only the first two were unopened. And it was, I think it was like personal power or one of those Tony Robbins programs. And I got through the first two discs and I opened disc three and he said, uh, congratulations, if you're on disc three, you're one of probably a hundred people because the other 99 didn't get past the first two discs. And I had to laugh because my dad only made it through the, the first two discs and he handed it over to me. So he was one short on, on that side of things but so tell me like what was some of the learnings that you took obviously when you said then you you know you grew your first law firm which you then sold for people that are going through you know a journey of growing what one of their first businesses at the moment what were some of the lessons that you learned along the way to to get you to the point where it became a saleable asset for you as well yeah so kim what i learned a combination of tony's work and jay's work and i had the unique privilege of having spent a lot of time with both of them more directly and personally in the last couple of years which has been an amazing honor to meet people who, who change your life and spend real time with them. What I learned in the beginning was that there were major challenges and flaws in the space of personal development. And I wanted to create a formula because I'd walk into a bookstore and after beginning to read Tony, he said, you know, read more books and model. And I'd go out and it's like just a wall full of books. So the first thing that I became really certain about was I needed a container for information. So it wasn't just a tip and a tip, and a tip, and a tip, and a tip, like all disconnected. So I built a structure and a formula. And in a nutshell, that formula allowed me to create the acceleration. And I learned about the exponentiality of marketing, the power of public speaking. And so instead of seeking referrals, I sought to add value to groups. And by adding value to groups, this led to folks being curious and interested in what I was doing. And that led to sales meetings and sales. So in a, in a nutshell, it's unlocking the superpower of influence and knowing how to present that in a value-added, integrous group dynamic and then structure appropriate calls to action for sales meetings. And that model was unbelievably, I mean, it was perfectly effective. Yeah, so it was the beginning. And so you were using that model as well for, for building the, the law firm as well as then your, the company where you're teaching these formulas now as well? Yeah, for building everything. I, you know, same formula worked for building the most successful coaching business that I had uh, out of my coaching school. You know, I think so many folks want to create impact in the space of personal development. This is now going back all the way to 2004. And so many of these fine folks, like, you know, they, they couldn't generate a client and maybe they had one or two clients. And, and it was so sad 
to me that really, really good people who worked really, really hard don't know, we're never taught anywhere the most fundal, fundamental aspects of what we're chatting about. So yeah, this is how, in my humble opinion, to build any business. So yes. That's exactly, you know, that resonates with me because that's one of the reasons we started our company. So we specialize in paid Facebook and Instagram advertising and, you know, building funnels and the sequencing and flowing of, of building, uh, bringing people into a business from that. But that's what got me started at the very beginning because I was like, wow, like these people, a lot of people have amazing products or services that have really cool things that they do and they can help people with. But if no one knows about it, it's going to disappear. You know, you can't just open your, the doors to a new shop or open a new business and, and cross your fingers that someone's going to come and start working with you. You've got to somehow get yourself out there. So that really uh, resonates with me there hundred percent. So how did you get in, into your journey? I mean, it's beautiful and amazing. And how did that start for you? So for, for me, it was, I was looking at and seeing other businesses. So on the opposite side of things, when I was younger, I didn't really, when people like people would say they want to be a policeman or a fireman and things like that. I was like, I wanted to be a businessman. That was just, since I was a little kid, that was like, my goal it was like, I wanted to be a businessman. And when I saw what businesses were suffering from, I was like, cool. Well, you know, like I was you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old. And I'm like, cool. if people wanted what these people have and I can bring them those people, surely that's going to be good. And then I didn't realize that was what marketing was at the time. And I was like, cool, if I just bring people that want this, they buy it, then everyone's going to be happy. And that's when I started going down, looking at the different avenues of business when it was sales, marketing, management, and and marketing kind of just clicked for me. I was like, cool, it kind of makes common sense to me. It's like put something in front of people that they want, tell them how they get it, and then let them get it. And it's like, it was pretty straightforward to me. That kind of made sense. And that's why I always focus on that ever since then. That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations. I know you're up to big things. That's awesome. Appreciate it. For yourself, what do you think that people are missing in the realm of, and I want to get down to some of the, maybe a little bit more nitty gritty of some of the things that you've identified to for people to transition to, but when it comes to influence and things like that, which for some people can seem like a, a huge buzzword and like, I don't think I could ever influence someone. But what do you think it is that people, you know, having worked with the number of people that you have now, missing in their, you know, their, their makeup so that they're not doing that? Like, what is it that they don't have currently or what could they add in that would really just, you know, amplify their level of influence when they're, whether they're talking to individuals or, or large groups from, from stage? Sure. So thank you. So Peter Drucker says that business is nothing more than marketing and innovation. That's it. And what I would add to that is there can be no marketing and innovation without language and human technology. And language gives rise to human technology. So if we can't define something, we can't measure it. And I think that the number one challenge people initially have about influence is they have no structure to do it. And if you're an athlete, if you're a builder, if you're a singer, if you're in a band, anything you do, you have a structure. You know, music has, you can write music. There are notes on a page. We don't have structures like that for influence. And so my life's work has been about writing the formula, the music for influence, and why it works. So I think there's four steps. There's 10 indispensable elements and four energies of influence. That's a lot more than we can chat about today. But the first, if if somebody say to me, hey, so what's the first fundamental step? Like, where would you begin? I would say, yeah, have a formula. Second, I would say to love people unconditionally with boundaries. I think the amplification 
and the exponentiality of influence, the math of it begins with loving people. And if we don't love people, it creates a different energetic dynamic where we give rise to people's fear and default no. And so we love people and we're integrously approaching things, not to pitch, not to hook, not to close, not to go get somebody, take something, right? Where we would be speaking about the people we do business with that we want to have say yes to us and become our clients the same way in front of them that we're talking about behind closed doors about them. The same way we communicate with people we love and, and care about, the same way we communicate with a stranger walking down the street that might be a street cleaner. Once we love people unconditionally and understand effective boundaries, we can then integrously approach sharing our value and having it received by others and move forward. So that's the first thing that I would fundamentally share with people. And tell me a little bit what you mean about the boundary side of things. I think people get confused when we talk about heart-centeredness and influence. That's why I'm blinded. You know, I have a lightning bolt on my hat. You know, in 1969, my mom was pregnant with me and we were on the way to Woodstock. It was the summer of love. And a lot of folks went to Woodstock under a beautiful concept, like the song Imagine by John Lennon. Other folks went to San Francisco to go to hate Ashbury in the summer of love. Those people got there with such a beautiful intention of love and caring, and they had no structure. And soon it devolved into things that nobody really liked and wanted. And Woodstock was a beautiful festival, but you know, complete mess. And hate Ashbury never even became a beautiful festival in San Francisco. Petty crime erupted, you know, filtered in the streets, total insanity. And so I think it's a, I'm, I don't think I'm certain, it's a combination of heart-centeredness and love, which is the intention that was set behind you know, the summer of 1969, but also in organized structures that lead to the things that people want. So when I say love and heart-centeredness, I also mean the boundaries part. And the boundaries part is, the, is having affirmative agreements with people. It's like, yeah, you're, we're going to go, and I'm going to get the food, and you're going to do this work, and we're going to have an ecosystem merger, and you're going to bring 10 different entities to our speaking engagement, and I'm going to bring 10 entities, and I'm going to pay for this, and you're going to pay for that, and this is what it's going to look like. So the boundaries are affirmative agreements between people because I am quite confident as well that when folks don't have affirmative agreements, that is when we are in disagreement. We're not in disagreement when conflict begins. We're in disagreement as soon as we don't have an affirmative agreement together. So loving people unconditionally and then having affirmative agreements, this is how teams operate, professional sports teams. It's how high-performing sales teams work. It's how every organizational construct exists, and it's optimized by the heart-centeredness. I think that's a very, very important point there. And for everyone listening, I think it is everything you need to do has to have a form of structure. Like even as human beings, the way we're made up is made up of a structure. So it's like, it, it needs to have something there. And, you know, sometimes even I liken, liken it back to when we, we write ads for people. And at the end, sometimes we, we have a final sentence, which says, you know, it might say, click below to insert whatever the goal is to purchase, to learn more, to find out, to, to watch a video. And people go, oh, I don't really know if I want to be that forward with people. And I was like, we're not, you're not being forward. You're giving them the structure of what there is to do next. Because otherwise, as you said, you could have the best marketing message out there, but if you don't put a final call to action, they, they don't know what to do yet. People inherently need structure. So I love the fact that you said that because all about the structure and the process of things. Yeah. And Kim, I, I would, yeah, I couldn't agree more. 
And I am sure you have forgotten more than I will ever know about the space of digital advertising, which is an area of great intrigue for me as well. And so, yeah, I mean, I've made more mistakes than you could possibly make in business over time. You know, I'm privileged that I think in the process of making mistakes, if we innovate effectively, we still get incredible outcomes, which I am blessed and thankful for. And I would say for everybody out there, it's like, yeah, you know, just what you said, Kim, that the smallest deletions, dilutions, and distortions, like deletion meaning elimination of, dilution meaning like the, the weakening of, and distortion meaning the changing of, lead to no results. So you could give people the best advice in the world, which I'm, I'm confident you do, and the tiniest uh, deletion of something or the weakening of the messaging or the shifting slightly, and they'll get no results. They'll be like, see, like this doesn't work. It's like, no, like, you know, it's just left an ingredient out. If you're making a cake and you leave out the eggs and this is the type of cake you're making, it's got to have eggs, you don't have a cake anymore. So, yeah. It's so true. As you mentioned, the frameworks there, you said there's, you know, there's 10 components, four parts. And it's like, well, if someone tries to do part four before they've done part one, I'm sure the same thing, you're not going to get the same outcome. So I wholeheartedly agree with you on those points there. Now, tell me a little bit more about what you're up to now, what you're focusing on. Because obviously, I know influence is one part, but you mentioned so many other things. And I know I've been um, reading up a, a lot about you. What else have you got going on that might be beneficial for someone who's an entrepreneurial person and business owner to start even just thinking about in the concept of their business growing forward in after obviously a pretty crazy year this year going into next year is there anything that you're kind of seeing across the board when it comes to to working with people and speaking to people and you're like this is probably an area that people should be putting more attention on uh, thank you for that Kim. we've created something called the real raw and as we entered you know this period of covid i began to think about marketing and i began to think about how valuable experiential marketing is. So, you know, if you look at Tony Robbins and he created the film, I'm Not Your Guru. And during I'm Not Your Guru, the most powerful part of what Tony does, for example, is he does magic tricks. And his magic tricks are when he does interventions with people. And so you are watching him give somebody an experience an experiential marketing dynamic. So you're seeing him do what he does, not not talking about what he can do, you're actually experiencing him do it. So in that vein, I thought about, hey, like, what do we do? And we created this Real Raw, which is where we put people on a show online and we have them work on going from hello to yes. And then they receive feedback from judges and I do some of those magic tricks of, going from hello to yes to people and demonstrating the, the formula that we teach them, blinded formula, four steps, 10 indispensable elements and four energies. And this dynamic of experiential marketing, where we have 10 people going, it's sort of like you know American Idol meets Harvard Business School or maybe what Harvard Business School would be if they taught influence, right? And it's been mind-blowingly successful. And we've done about 125 episodes thus far And we've had incredible people on. You're more than welcome to come on someday if you'd grace us with your presence, Kim. And it's been extraordinary, the outcome, because when people hear about a concept, it's one thing. When they become present to to trying to do it themselves, they realize the gaps. It's like sitting there saying, hey, yeah, sure, I'm a pretty strong person. And 
getting in the weight room and, you know, thinking, watching somebody bench press 300 pounds and then somebody bench press 140 pounds and be like, well, wow, there's a big gap between where I am and where I can be. And that's what we try to support people lovingly, empathetically with fun. We laugh, we have a good time. It's sort of like, you know, lunch or dinner with some really amazing people meets some gamification and learning. And it's been extraordinary. So I would say that's, that's currently our biggest access. And we just came off our elite training weekend down here by my, my beach home. We were surfing in like pre-hurricane conditions and doing crazy things in the water, but we're also learning like crazy and going through these experiential dynamics as well. So I believe in experiential teaching and marketing at a very high level. I love that. And I think that's such a great point. And yeah, I think a lot of people saw that documentary and even people in, in business, but they didn't really quite grasp, I think, the reason why he did it because a lot of people are like, oh cool so told your story got him out there and it's like if you as you mentioned just there and you broke down it's like they're, gi- they're giving you the experience of potentially what you could expect and the differences that you can see in people before and after rather than just saying this is what i do how i do it you know trust me believe me that that's how how it works and i'm pretty sure from memory um i had a couple of buddies i think that worked on some of the campaigns on the back end of that event i think they sold out date with destiny for like the next two or three years straight away, they had to go and find bigger venues because of, because people were like, Oh, that's what Tony, like, that's what I, I can expect in an event where other times they're like, well, I know that he's the guy, like he's the guy and he makes you walk on fire, but like, what does he actually do? Yeah. And I'll tell you this, Kim, I've had the privilege of speaking on Tony's stage at seven of the last eight events, including date with destiny, 2019 date with destiny, 2018 date with destiny, 2019. Imagine this. The Platinum Partnership Program is about a $100,000 program, right? And after I had the, the privilege and honor of speaking, there were 120 plus Platinum Partnerships signed up at that event. 120 people signing up for a program that costs $100,000 plus. And I am very confident that I am not your guru and that entire dynamic, in addition, of course, Tony's incredible genius. And I dare say with some humility, what I was able to bring, you know, from my portion of sharing my experience and journey and and story led to, yeah, all of that. And so the differential dynamics is let's say there's no, I'm not your guru. The crowd is smaller and there's a few other distinctions off. That number could easily be 40 people instead of 120. And the difference economically is mind boggling. And so that's what I believe about the superpower of influence and how it stacks from point one to point two to point three to point four, which I know is the space you live in, the math of each lever along the continuum that leads to the completely different, like not just like, you know, 50% more, but hundreds of percents more, thousands of percents more compounded over time. Yeah, it's mind-boggling, as you say, sometimes when you see just the, the difference and it's only a, a small difference. I remember there was a story, I think it might have even been Tony that used to that used to tell, I think it was about a plastic surgeon and it was about the difference between someone who may be considered in the normal world ugly versus someone who was a supermodel was a, a one millimeter difference in several points on the face. And the same with a golf swing. It's like the difference between going purely straight ahead and slicing off into the bushes is about a one millimeter on the, on a, on a golf face. So it's the same when it comes to the business and the numbers, as you say, if you do that over four, five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 leverage points, it, it astronomically blows things up, which is amazing. As we get towards the end of our time here together, I always like to ask this question, which is, is there a question that I didn't ask you that I should have? I would definitely not say, I mean, it's, it's been brilliant and wonderful, but 
you know, one thing that would come to mind is like, why does any of this matter? You know, we live in a space of, of money and time and energy. And so why should we really care? And would it be okay if I answered that question? Please do, yeah. I think it's because, you know, we live in this amazingly complex world where we so often, you know, are in our head and we're thinking about our fear and it inhibits our, our actions just in slight ways, you know, not always profound ways. And the difference is, you know, this weekend I had the privilege of, of taking these fine folks into my grandparents' beach house. And I have, you know, two here and, you know, their house is not far away. And my grandparents never made more than $25,000 in any year in their life. And when you walk into their house, there's this unbelievable wall of pictures. And so what they didn't have in money, they had in massive abundance of love. And their sacrifices created the space generationally for love and magic. And I think for all of us, it just comes down to that we all want to experience magic. We want to experience these moments that mean everything to us. And sometimes it's a win in business. And more often, though, it's what those wins create in terms of our time freedom to be there and be available. And the great thing I am most grateful for in my life and the greatest success I had was walking to my kids to grammar school and dropping them off at school every single day to having them have played a thousand sporting events and have missed nine total. And that's because I learned these principles at the age of 27. And I was privileged to become a business operator, I'm sorry, owner instead of operator. And it created that freedom to have magical moments. And so when people are thinking about the numbers and the, you know, should I, shouldn't I, you know, and the things that the levers you can help them pull, Kim, you know, humbly, I can help people pull. It's all about what it creates for us in terms of that magic and the legacy that we leave. And that's why I am completely confident that all this is achievable, yes, but imperative so we can have those magical moments. I love that. I think that wraps it up very nicely. Now, for anyone that's been listening and they said, all right, I think I need to find out a bit more about what you're up to. Obviously, we can only give them so much in in 30 minutes here. Where's the best place for people to connect online and find out more about what you guys are up to? So 8.30 a.m. Eastern time, you know, in the U.S., we run the Unblinded Huddle every morning. It's free. And there you can find out the things you need to know, uh, unblindedhuddle.com. And we have, we're looking to partner with people and running real raws in every profession imaginable. And yeah, so check us out and learn more. And it's really been an honor, Kim, to share with you for a little bit. Absolute pleasure having you. I loved it. And I think I'm going to go back and listen to this after we all and uh, take some more notes on the back end. So it was great. So guys, wherever you're listening to this or watching this, please check out the show notes and we'll have links to everything so you can find out more about what's going on with Unblinded and what Sean's up to as well. So thank you again so much for joining us. Really appreciate you making the time. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate all you. Thank you.